Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Things have certainly improved for the Colorado Rockies the past couple of weeks. A home sweep of Milwaukee, plus a couple of series wins over playoff teams like Cleveland and the Mets. The best news is the impact of young players like Brenton Doyle, perhaps signaling the start of the badly needed youth movement. This week, we're joined by Sean Ryder from the Albuquerque Journal for some better insight on the Rockies' top minor league affiliate and the prospects playing there right now. Is there more help on the way? Sean gives us his perspective right after this. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Many things have taken an uptick since last time we spoke. Colorado Rockies team that was barreling towards a 100-loss season for the first time in franchise history found some life and have won three of their last four series, swept the Padres at home for the first time in, what, 38 series they've done that. One road series in Cleveland and New York, two playoff teams from a year ago. Things are looking good for the Rockies at, at the moment. I mean, obviously, we, you know, we're not going to sit here and pretend this is a playoff team by any stretch, but maybe they avoid, avoid 100 losses. Uh, I don't know if i go that far yet because things happen that can really, um, I mean, things can turn around on a dime, but I, I'm – Utterly stunned at what this team has done in the last uh, week or so. Um, they won six out of seven. They they are basically a line drive hitting Brenton Doyle's foot away and a, and one pitch yeah. from Antonio Sensatella away from seven in a row. And yeah. uh, I didn't think they would win seven in a row this season. Period, or Ever. maybe yeah. even four in a row or three in a row. Um, it's pretty incredible. And then to go in and basically they 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 should have swept the Mets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they have done what they done. I just, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. So sweeping the brewers too. I mean, these are good teams, you know? Yep. And so it's been, it's been actually really good. I don't know if this is going to avoid hundred losses, but we've seen strange things happen before and the Rockies are always weird. So the best thing about this though, clearly to me is that it's, it's not the fact that we're just winning some games. It's, it's who, who's fueling this. It's the young guys, you know, it started yeah. with Noah Davis. Um, he's on the aisle now, but, and then Brenton Doyle, as you mentioned, has come on and given him a spark at a position. They almost spent a ton of money on over the winter, which they did. Yeah. Now, you know what? That's looking at, you know, they, yeah. they let Jonathan Daza go and they put stuck Doyle out there. He had his first career home run today uh, in the series finale against uh, New York. And he, and, and Tovar is the other guy, uh, Ezekiel yeah. Tovar. We saw flashes of his defense. Finally, he is starting to hit and hit the ball hard. He hit a, a ball today at 108 miles per hour off the bat, his um, his uh, single, and then his homer was 108 miles an hour off the bat. It's nice to see 
Um, as much as, as some people like to say that barrels are overrated, it's nice to see guys hitting the baseball hard because that's <laughs> hey, listen, what you want to do. As a former pitcher, I will sit here and tell you, bloopers and bleeders kill you. They kill you as a pitcher. And so you'll never runs. forget those. You'll never forget them. No, no, no. Because you two bloops and a blast is a three three runs not one. So no, no come no, on, no. man. When you gave up when you gave up a four hundred and sixty foot home run to somebody, if it was a solo shot, I'm me, good. Tell me, tell me, you didn't feel it. Solo shot, you can live with. It's those three run jobs. By the way, give me one. Who 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 hit the longest home run off of you? Cecil Fielder hit one out of County Stadium off me, in Milwaukee. Okay, that's got to be the, over the left over the left field bleachers. That's got to be good for you. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. Okay. Yeah, it was. Anyway, without further ado, we're going to bring in Sean. Is it Ryder? I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Is it Reader or Ryder? It is Ryder. Yep. Ryder. Ryder. Okay. okay. I, I great. I had a friend named Mike Ryder when I was a kid, and, and I just, but I didn't want to get it wrong. So, thank you for joining us from the Albuquerque Journal. And you know, we just want to talk with you about the isotopes and really what the the future, the immediate future, looks like for the Colorado Rockies because. Um, you know, youth was served today or this last week uh, with this team. And um, I think it's getting some people excited because it's just been way too long since the Rockies had something to look, actually look forward to regarding uh, their club rather than uh, a bunch of older veterans and guys who are middling uh, players that aren't really um, cut out for, for the long term here. So um, welcome. Thank you. And um, what have you I mean, I'm, I, since you're covering the isotopes, I know that I'm sure that you're you're following the, the big club as well. What are your thoughts so far on this 22-23 season and and especially this last week for the Rockies? Well, the 23 season for the Isotopes, um, it's always interesting down here in Albuquerque. I'm sure you guys are well familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a 24-8 uh, loss today to Sugar Land, which I believe is at the bottom of the PCL. Um, <laughs> and it's really a wild time to check in on the Isotopes. This blurb, courtesy, courtesy of our good friends and their uh, communication department, it's almost a microcosm of their season to this point. Uh, this last series against Sugarland, they they're pitching allowed uh, series highs in runs, seventy six hits, a hundred. Sugarland had thirty hits, seventy six runs in the series. In the series, um, and they gave wow. up six homers and forty seven extra base hits. How many games are we talking here? Three, this, four. It's a six game series. Six games. Okay. All right. All right. But and, still, well, I mean, that makes we're still talking twelve runs a game here. <laughs> And then offensively, Albuquerque did set series standards in runs with 64, hits 78, homers 12, and extra base hits 35. Uh, they're just getting oh, themselves know. ready for Coors, man. I mean, come yeah, on. Okay, they so got yeah. to get themselves ready for, wow. for what they're going to have here. This is, yeah, that's basically all to tell you in terms of prospects and guys coming down the line. Hey, there's some really nice hitters down in AAA right now. There's some really nice guys in Albuquerque, some quality guys, but – Pitching is really kind of a mess in some ways. Um, as for the hitters, you know, there are some intriguing prospects. Coco Montez is a guy. I've written about him a little bit, a little bit about him. Not super flashy, but he's hitting 343, 430, 434, and 567 on the season. Um, he's been really hot after that opening series, I believe. Um, brings a lot of defensive versatility that I know the Rockies organization really values and wants mm -hmm. to see. Um, yeah, we've been we've been hearing a lot about yeah, Montez as well as Nolan Jones is tearing it up. I mean, Nolan Jones, I just don't see how long he, they can justify keeping him down there. I mean, they brought him up for a minute here and then they never played him and then sent him back down. Um, but uh, what have you been seeing from from Jones? I mean, he seems to be just ripping the cover off the ball right now. Oh, yeah. Jones was next on the list. And I think that was what he was up for four games and he never got. Yeah, off the bench, pretty yeah. sure. Never got off the bench. I mean, and, it, you know, and. You know, going into this season, you know, it's not like, you know, he came out of nowhere. I mean, he had more than a cup of coffee with Cleveland last year. 
you know, his numbers weren't outstanding, but I mean, that was his first stint in the majors. And I mean, you're right. He has been ripping the cover off the ball. I believe he's tied for the team lead down here with nine home runs. And I think that's Daniel Montano with other nine. I mean, puts together really solid, really solid at bats, a lot of power. And he's a really good defender. I believe it was our media day that he came out and he said, I'll play wherever. He's like, I really don't care. And he kind of has done that, uh, even to the point where he said he was open to pitching. But I mean, just does a lot really well. I mean, right now, me- that's probably not a terrible idea. You know, yeah. <laughs> given the pitching death situation with the Rockies, uh, that might not be, a, you know, let, let's see what he's got. Brings a lot that you really like to see. I mean, he is the clear cut major leaguer on this. The clear-cut major leaguer on the Topes right now. Um, I mean, you guys have seen Montero. Montero has been mashing since he's been down here. Hunter Stovall and Aaron Schunk are also guys to look out for as well. And then Tolia. Certainly, you guys are familiar with him. He has how's, Michael, ad- how's Michael doing? Because uh, one of the things that we have kind of saw with him is that he was just overmatched up here. Too yeah, many. way too many strikeouts. And, and, and I, don't, I think the Rockies don't, you know, the only reason that they're not going to have him playing at this point is if they feel like they're going to maybe hurt his development. At least I, that's my my observation or guess, is that they're going to hurt his development if they can, if they have him come up here and just strike out all the time. So how's he doing down there? He's been, I mean, he hasn't been going off at the level of a Jones, maybe even a Coco Montez, but, I mean, his numbers are still quite good, and you can see it too. The strikeout numbers are a little bit higher than you would like to see, especially when he said coming into this season that, you know, he wanted to get yep. those numbers down compared to last year. But, I mean, it's also, you know, it's still May. It's still a process. Right. It's going to be early. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I would probably bank on it that he's up with the Rockies at some point, and I could see him putting together a couple – a really nice summer, honestly. Uh, you may, Obviously, the pitching is a sore spot. It always has been in Albuquerque, whether the Dodgers were there or whoever else is, has that as a home park. It's a tough place to pitch. We heard early about a guy, Carl Kaufman. Um, are you, and I know when they evaluate these guys, they're not necessarily looking at them and saying, well, you know, their stat, their stats are terrible. We'll leave them down there. Are there signs of flash? Are there flashes, signs, anything that, that shows you that some of these pitchers might be big league pitchers at some point? With Kaufman in particular, I don't know if you can call it flashes. I mean, and, and look, I'm a Michigan native. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. I vividly remember how good Carl Kaufman was in that 2019 College World Series run. I mean, I remember how, I mean, he was fantastic. And it's 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 not hard to watch, but I mean, you know, there are just nights more often than not where he just comes out and he gets hit around. He doesn't throw especially hard. Um, no. He's not a strikeout guy. I mean, that's fine, but it, it's just not going his way in a lot of respects mm-hmm. right now. He's sporting like an eight seven one earn run average at this point. I, I mean, really, he's going to have to turn it around big time uh, to be a major league guy. But beyond that, I mean, Riley Pint is a really mm-hmm. interesting story i'm sure you guys are familiar retired from baseball ended up coming back and he was pitching really well uh more than a flash heading into this week and this week has not been kind to him it was not kind to really any ice except for the ageless wonder fernando abad uh 37 years old i think he's sporting like a 0.69 earn run average um of course he is (laughs) of course he is (laughs) So he's not a prospect, but I mean, you could definitely see there's a legitimate and real path for Abad to get back up to the major. Well, oh, I'm sure we'll see. Him. I'm sure we'll yeah. see him at some point. Well, yeah, the, the bullpen's not the Rockies' problem right now. You know, the bullpen's doing okay. I mean, they have tried different guys, Nick Mears. They've tried some different guys in that role, but the the plus side of the bullpen has done decently. Uh, it's just they're so starved for some starting pitching. They just are. They got Sensatella back, which is going to help a lot. But you lose Marcus for the season and probably even in the next season. 
they need somebody. Noah Davis did really well as for, you know before he got hurt. I guess we're just asking: Is there any other Noah Davises down there? Is anybody else we can look at? To, you know, we know Rollison's still hurt. Gavin Hollowell. Is there anybody down there that's going to maybe shake us up? Hollowell is interesting, um, but to be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> I really don't see it right now. I don't see it out of Phillips Valdez. I don't see it out of Jeff Criswell, another Michigan guy. I mean, it, it, it's similar to Colorado. The starting pitching down here in Albuquerque has not been. It's really not been fantastic. So far. we're so we're really what we're looking at is double a and below yeah. to to find pitching and that means either somebody really stands out to the point where they can skip right up here which is unlikely or yep. uh, without any time at triple a or um another couple of years of really really difficult times on the mound for the rockies um because it's kyle freeland and everybody else right now it's been great you know austin gomber has been great since he no, gave up been good lately nine runs against the pirates and had the like probably the worst outing of his career um, and talked about afterwards how he was feeling the pressure, really got very candid with reporters saying he was really feeling the pressure of being the guy, so to speak, uh, you know, uh, the centerpiece of the return for Nolan Arenado. And suddenly he's, I think, got like a one-something ERA over his last two or three, last three starts, and he's starting to make it work. Feltner's been good. Finally, he's starting to see some results. So we don't know how long that's going to go, and we don't know which one of those, if any, are going to emerge as long-term pieces for the rotation but it's really Kyle Freeland and everybody else. And if there's nobody down there at AAA uh, on the mound that we can really look at as saying 2024, you know, we might actually see them and they might actually be a long-term piece here. That's, that's pretty concerning. Um, Sean. And I'll, let me, I'll, let me, I'll that's a little bit talking about starters. I mean, it is AAA. Uh, I guarantee you there are guys starters in particular that are working through things in particular, maybe mechanics deals and stuff like that, that I'm not privy to because I'm not in the meetings. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, you don't get a ton of uh, confidence out of this starting rotation. Well, let me ask you this question, Sean. Uh, when I was playing, and I hate to go go there, but when I was playing, I was pitching for for the Astros team out of Tucson. We went up to Vancouver, where the Brewers team was based, and I threw a shutout in Vancouver. Great place to pitch. You had you need a howitzer to get it over the fence. It was it was it's a good setup for pitchers. But I made an impression on the Brewers that day, and then a few months later, I get traded to Milwaukee. So my question is, have you seen anybody so far uh, from another team that if the Rockies ever did get in the trade business, which we've been encouraging them to do, they don't do it very well. But if they ever did, you see any trade targets from any of the other pitchers that have come through there? Eschewing any idea of like market value and right. all that and what things would look like. And this is because, honestly, I wrote a story about him because he's a New Mexico kid. Uh, Chase Silseth is a guy. I know the he's got he, – he started in the major leagues before he made his major league debut last year. The Farmington, New Mexico native. I know he's working. The angels bullpen's pretty battered from what I know right now. I know he's uh, working out of the bullpen right now for them. That's a guy that young dude. I think he's, I think he's the exact same age as I am. I'm pretty sure. And he's really, I mean, he's got good stuff. I mean, he's got good velo. I think that would be a guy you want to target up uh, beyond that. Honestly, I probably pay more attention than I should to the isotopes and opposed to other teams. <laughs> well, you're not a scout. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not your job, but um, I'm just, sometimes some guy comes through town and makes it, makes a splash and you say, man, we'd love to get that guy in, in our uniform someday. And obviously it seems like the isotopes are in that certain circumstance as the Rockies are in terms of starting pitching. Regarding the hitting, I guess going back, I mean, I, I mean it seems like the theme here is that um, look out, you might see some um, pretty good, uh, 
production someday from some of these guys at the as far as offense is concerned from AAA. But pitching, we're seeing nothing not yet really promising until lower down. Um, out of the guys that you just mentioned and talked about, you know, offensively, who do you who do you see as the the one that has the best shot at becoming a long term staying a piece that is going to be kind of a staple in the lineup one day for the Rockies. I think you and I, you know, we know the answer. It's Nolan Jones. I mean, everything we've seen from him thus far, I mean, he is that clear-cut guy that has the best chance, and you never know what's going to happen. But right. right. Montero is an interesting uh, prospect, too. Uh, my understanding is he's not playing third base anymore because defensively he was atrocious when he was here. At- that's the reason why he got sent down, right? I mean, I, down. that's yep. the other question is how's he doing with his footwork and what, what's he what's he working on defensively down there? Because he had, they had to DH him, I think, a couple times here, and they also – uh, they they tried to keep his bat in the lineup because he was hitting um, pretty well. Uh, from time to time, he would show those flashes that he did last year with some big power, but he just was really overmatched yep. at third base. To be honest with you, that's a conversation I've thought about having with him a little bit, just before like pregame and whatnot, and just haven't gotten around to it. So I couldn't give you a specific answer of what he might be working on in particular. Where is he playing down there? They've been running him at... Well, well, I read I read that he was playing first base and DHing. Yes, he was running. So if that's the, the case, then the Rockies have a, a real big glut at first base, Manny. With obviously, yeah. Tolia has that in that circumstance. Crone, Mustakas. I mean, they got a lot of first basemen yeah. on this this team. Yeah, it's going to be a problem because um, you know Mustakas. Well, yes and no. Mustakas and Crone aren't long for this team. Right. Um, you, you you know, if you're the Rockies, you're hoping that they. Uh, they can uh, enhance their trade value before yep. June or July and then get something, something decent from them in the way, in the way of prospects. Um, the worst case scenario is they don't kind of happens like last year where, where Crone got hit in the hand and he, and he wasn't producing and yep. nobody wanted him on the trade market and here he, he's still here. So, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's been great for the Rockies. He's been just fine. It's just that he's not part of the long-term solution here. Um, and, and until he's, you know, moved on and until Mustakis has moved on the corner infield spots are kind of blocked a little bit because the Rockies are going to keep trying to play those guys that's just kind of how they they operate the bottom line is is that you know once those guys are have moved on and you hope that that will be sometime before the trade deadline that'll open it up a little bit but yes Tolia is a first you know first baseman and you don't you don't want to necessarily have to have him play in the outfield um, and you, you, you want it to be neat. You don't want it to be kind of just like, okay, here are the guys that we had, and I know the Rockies value versatility defensively, but you want to have your guys Definitely. playing at their primary position. With Montero, the problem, I think, is is that the guy can hit, and you sorely want to have that kind of a bat in the lineup moving forward. Because um, if you imagine, if Nolan Jones does pan out, you imagine Jones Montero has proven he can hit the, he can hit at this level and he's, he still needs to develop some at the major league level, but he can do it. Um, you have Montero and Jones Tovar is starting to hit. He's starting to show that he can he can do it at this level and he's got a good head on his shoulder. He's very mature for for his age and and, and experience level. Um, but then what are we going to do about third? What are we doing about third base? That's the question. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. Get back with us um, on that, Sean, when you do hear from him i mean just just even if it's not on not on the air or anything just off because we would like to we'd like to know you know what what's going on with with montero down there regarding third base because that's really the position that the rockies want to see him at now with just for our you know i know a lot of our listeners know this already in a sense but albuquerque is also at a high elevation down there so it kind of prepares guys for coming 
to Coors Field. <laughs> you just mentioned that series with the 72 run scored. I mean, it's just that was you said there were there that was in Albuquerque, right? So yes, it, yeah. is that is is um do you find guys that come through there who are developing getting frustrated? They will remain unnamed, but some of the greatest pitchers of all time, guys who are in the Hall of Fame now, came through here and you know, really did some damage to the clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse after their outings. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so there are guys who are very, very good who come through this place and just get just totally flabbergasted, frustrated. I guess I should say flustered is probably the word. How do guys who are younger, who are developing or coming through the system, guys that the Rockies drafted because they looked at their makeup, they looked at what kind of guys they might be and how they might handle things. Do they get frustrated with this stuff? Do they have to be taken aside and talked to regarding the mental side, the part between the ears of dealing with high level, high elevation and big offense? I mean, I, I can't, you know, I haven't walked up to, you know, a Carl Kaufman or whatever before a game and said, Hey man, do you get frustrated when, you know, you give up a tank and the mm-hmm. ball absolutely flies out of here? That's not a direct question that I've asked, but yeah, definitely guys do get frustrated. Um, whether or not they need to be taken away and stuff like that and talked to about it. I don't, I can't really speak to that. I will say Chris Mahalik, that he's the pitching coach down here. Fascinating major league career. Um, wrote a yep. long story about him. And he's really, really fun to talk to. Joliet native. Um, and he really gets the mental side of pitching probably more than, I mean, a lot of coaches obviously get it. Uh, but he articulates it particularly well and articulates how he helps pitchers out in that sense. And I think I would imagine that he's not talking to them in particular about elevation, stuff like that. It's more just about the overall approach that you need to take to become a better pitcher in the minor leagues. Well, it's yeah. good. It's good that he has that facet to his, um, his teaching, uh, teaching method about the whole, you know, mental side of things. I mean, it's, um, but black, the first year he was here, you know, he's, he's the first and to this day only obviously pitcher, uh, former pitcher who has been a manager of the Colorado Rockies. And, um, you know, I got to say, he did wonders with that young pitching staff in 17 and 18. They really overperformed. I mean, Freeland finishing fourth in Cy Young. Mark is at his best. Um, in 17 and 18, they were just – and Sensatella developed, you know, came, you know, emerged as a great uh, third uh, third uh, starter. So, really, whenever we asked Bud Black at that time, how do you get how do you get the best out of these guys when they're – they're just young. They're pitching at Coors Field. It's uh, it's a it's a house of horrors for most pitchers, whether it's at home or away. And he said, "We look. Bottom line is, you make a bad pitch at sea level, it gets hit. You make a bad pitch here at elevation, it gets hit. It's not that simple, in my opinion. I think that you there's just so much a, a smaller margin of error here. Uh, you can't afford to make any mistakes whatsoever, even small ones, and get away with them. But he seemed like he got that through to them and they bought into it and they pitched really well. Um, so I think it's a, a constant uh, subject of interest regarding young pitchers that come through the Rocky system is how are they preparing them? For ben, you, you talk Denver. about the, the Coors Field hangover uh, and, and which is, I think a little overblown, but nonetheless, it's real. Um, that doesn't necessarily exist though in Albuquerque because you've got a lot of ballparks, a lot of places in that league in the PCL that are high elevation, tough places to pitch in. And it's almost like, they don't have, face the same, the hitters or the pitchers don't face the same transition between sea level. Now, of course, there's some, but sea level and and, um, and altitude as often as they would in the National League, where you're only going to Colorado and back and maybe Arizona in some some situations. But 
Um, I'm, I, pitchers, trust me, I pitched in the PCL for a couple of years. It's a tough place to pitch. The fields are hard. The ground is hard. You give a lot of base hits that wouldn't be base hits in other ballparks because the ball just scoots through the infield in places like Las Vegas. But I'm not sure, to you guys' point, the mental part of it, I, I just – I guess I just accept it. I just say, okay, my ERA is going to be four and a half pitching this here. But when I get to the Astrodome, it'll, it'll be better. And that's exactly what happened. Um, when you get to the big leagues, you play in better circumstances. If you're because Coors Field didn't exist when I was in the big leagues. So I, I'm just wondering, I think what you said about pitching coach there is probably pretty important at P, at the PCL level because of the plethora of ballparks that are, have a high elevation. Yeah, and and I'll I mean I'll second your point absolutely. I probably should have been upfront about this, talking about the pitching staff as a whole and all these guys. I mean, I came out here, and I you know I heard a lot of people say like, oh yeah, you know that's PCL baseball for you, and it'd yeah. be like eighteen to sixteen game, and I was like, huh, nice joke. No, that is PCL baseball. Yeah, for it you. is. That is the core mm-hmm. of it. It's nuts. It's chaotic. A lot of hits, and you know I I think you're right as well too Mark in the sense that like there's a lot of guys that just kind of accept it and Manny I can understand your point as well about you know having to think like hey I can't make any mistakes but also if you're a pitching coach you don't want your pitcher thinking about hey you know you don't want him thinking that he can't make any mistakes or something yeah I mean it's you can't you can't live that way let alone pitch that way it's up to the coaching staff to let you know and this is something we we talked about early on in the existence of the Colorado Rockies you're also going to get more run support here you know, you're not you're not going to lose too many one nothing games in this. It happens rarely, but you're going to get more run support in the PCL. So maybe a, a what would be a four to three game one place is a seven, eight to seven game in the PCL. But still, the importance you go out in there and you and you show you can win and pitch in tough situations. Well, I think you know the thing about I mean we, I've been told about guys who literally got to the point where in their heads they were like, I can't let them make contact. I've got them. Yeah, I mean, here way. at at, at you cannot pitch that way. You can't do it. But nope. but they were there have been guys, Rockies, got Rockies pitchers who in the past, who um in the distant past, who just were it got into their head so much that yep. they literally thought they could oh, yeah. they had to they had to pitch, they had to get they had to get strikeouts, they had to hit yep. swing and miss. And yeah, it's good to have swing and miss. Um obviously you want to hit the have them hit the ball on the ground, swing and miss and all that, but you know, this guy was told like you got and he did. He had good good infield behind him. And the Rockies historically, at least, you know, historically, not so much these last couple of years, but historically have had good infield defense because they understood the need mm-hmm. to be able to vacuum up as much as possible on the infield because they're going to get guys who try to keep the ball down and, and, and get ground balls, keep the ball out of the air, of course. But uh, this guy would not. He would not listen. He, he just he just he had this hang up like I can't let them make contact. Course field really. I mean, we make we, we have the meme and we make the joke about course. But it really is a, a psychological nightmare for a lot of guys. And so, you know, I, I'm it's going to be really interesting to see how guys come through, you know, AAA um, and just through the, the whole system. I think that's one of the most important things probably the Rockies organization can do is to have uh, pitching instructors at every level who understand the need to get inside guys' heads and calm them down. Um, and. Have you ever se- have you seen any situations, Sean, where guys get lit up and just the body language just becomes? Um, I mean, it's very clear that they are they're 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 just really not in a good place with their body language. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, but at the same time, too, I mean, I, I think that would 
know, that's going to happen most places where a guy gets lit up and stuff like that. And some guys, in, I mean, you can be a guy that perhaps that pitches well at elevation and has the right mental approach. Uh, but I mean, if you're getting lit up, I mean, you're not going to be having a great time either out there, especially. Well, sure. So. Yeah. And I, I think my question is more geared to um, long-term damage to, to, to more often than the occasional, because, you know, if you're, if you're giving up, if your ERA is eight, like Hoffman, for example, or if you're, you know, uh, over four or five or six starts, I mean, at that point, it gets to the point where it's like, it's accumulating and uh, you, you got to wonder if guys get burned out. Um, uh, speaking of which, Tell us a little bit more about Riley Pine, uh, how he has done since the return and what you kind of see as having been fuel, having fueled his kind of um, resurgence after he decided to just hang him up. I haven't talked to Pint a ton. Everything I do know about Pint, though, is, I mean, the pure fact of the thing that's fueled his resurgence is guy's really, really positive. Guy walks around everywhere with a smile on his face. I mean, really pleasant guy to be around. And I think that mentality is, I mean, a really nice smile paired with a fantastic arm. That was like what the number four overall pick of yeah. yep. a fantastic arm. I mean, it was just you needed that good mental approach. You needed that sense of positivity to go out and be kind of the full package that he wanted to be. It didn't have a great week this week. Um, nobody on the staff except for really Fernando Abad basically had a good week, honestly. Um, but I mean, he's definitely I think he's a guy that really, really to really look out for. I don't know, I could not give you a timeline. I'm when he might be up in Colorado or not, but um, yeah, that would just be pure speculation on my part. But I do think there is a pretty solid chance that he's up there sooner rather. Sean, one guy we, we haven't talked about is uh, Peter Lambert. Um, he made a flash up here with the Rockies briefly a couple of years ago. He's been hurt. Um, is active now? Uh, is he up here now, Manny? Did he get called up? I think Lambert is here. Up. Yeah, Lambert's here. Yeah. Where did you see a Lambert when he was down there? Because he avoided this horrible week you guys just had down there. I'll be completely honest with you. I've never watched Lambert pitch down okay. here. I, I've missed him by that point. So I could not give you a good answer on that. Ad. And he hasn't pitched a ton. Um, yeah. I think he made five starts. I think in the last two years, he's made eight starts down yeah, there. Not something very much. like that because of injury and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, he's on the hitting, then by Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. On the hitting side, um, who have we left anybody out? We've talked about Montez. We've talked about Nolan Jones. We've talked about um, Michael Tolia. We've talked about Ilyris Montero. We haven't mentioned your guy, man. He's warming. We haven't mentioned warming. <laughs> warming Bernabel. Yeah. Let's talk about warming who I will never, I've never met the man, but when he, if, and when he gets up here, I will never forgive him for not being a pitcher so that I couldn't use that pun forever. Warming in the bullpen. Yeah. We got you. Uh, got to warm up soon. Yeah. You would think, right. you know, Sorry, it's man. got a rough name to live up to. But, Sorry, man. Yeah. That was really bad. I know. You know? I can't <laughs> we like puns on this show. I can't stay with you in that area. I just can't, I can't compete. Um, well, Sean, we appreciate your time as always. We do want to check back with you later on. Have you watched enough Albuquerque? I won't say Dukes. I'm sorry, Isotopes baseball to get. I'm sorry, I'm old. Um, to get a sense of where this team is headed. I mean, where are they in the standings? And and are, is this a team that's going to have a good season? Uh, the Topes have not been known for having good seasons <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, right. and you're completely fine uh, saying Dukes too. Half the people I know, I know I refer to them as Dukes instead of the Topes. Can't do it. I mean, the Dukes are both absolutely beloved, but um, or were beloved, but um, I mean, they're 14, 18 right now. I don't know what good that is in the PCL standings. I haven't checked the standings, honestly, after what today was and just kind of. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> heads are spinning after today, I'm sure. Exactly. I haven't checked that, um, but I don't know. They they had their best start since, a bit, I think, 2018. Um, and I think everybody that had, was kind of around the team and everybody that was showing up and watching regularly, as opposed to just kind of 
a casual fan popping into a minor league baseball team. It's like, okay, you see the pieces here. You see how it come together. Has not been so kind to them since. But that being said, I mean, they still obviously have more of a puncher's chance than I think they have had in the past to come out and have a pretty good season. So, um, you get to travel at all? I do not. Oh, I'm sorry, because there's some cool places to go in the PCL. It's a fun league to be in. Unfortunately, you don't get to see some of those outposts. I mean, but... it's a fun league to be in unless you're a pitcher. Unless you're a pitcher. Right? Well, try to find enjoyment in other manners on the on the road <laughs> in the PCL. But um, no, it's a, it's a good league. It's a great testing ground. And I, Rockies, you know, when they left Colorado Springs, there was the uproar that, well, they can't train their pitches altitude. Albuquerque is the same elevation as Denver pretty much. So they are getting good training. Maybe it's, you know. Maybe, maybe we should send them down. to Mexico City, man. Yeah. Maybe we should. <laughs> there you go. I mean, after what go. happened last weekend. Um, you know what? Yeah. That's where the real men the, will emerge. The, the beating, right? Yeah, the beatings will continue until morale gets better, right? That's what's going to happen <laughs> the pitchers with Albuquerque. Yeah. Hey, Sean, we appreciate you. Take care of yourself. Hey, Thanks, Sean. Appreciate you. Appreciate Sean Reeder, Albuquerque Journal covering the Albuquerque isotopes. I got it right. Not offering us a ton of hope for the pitching side of things, at least. And and just kind of reinforces what we've been talking about, Manny, that this outfit needs to go out and trade, make some trades and bring in some double-A, triple-A pitchers, uh, prospects that can possibly help this team in the the short term. I mean, that's the the biggest thing, right? There's this this gap between major league-ready talent, particularly on the mound. Um, I mean, even at the plate, I mean, you know, there are like guys like Nolan Jones. I mean, certainly there are guys that you can see coming up here and producing. Um, but but especially on the pitching side, there's just there's nothing at, at the at the higher levels of the minors that you can say is imminent. And so, yes, uh, if you can get if you can make some moves at the trade deadline, you know, Rockies fans should be rooting hard for for Mike Moustakis and CJ Crone to just go off because yep. um, they need to enhance their trade value. Um, but will you know, the for, their, for their own sake for their own sakes because I mean look CJ's uh, contract this is last year's contract um Mike Mustakis is only here on the, for now this yes. year um yes. and would they like to go and and, and join a team that was going to win at, at their age sure you and know I throw think Charlie would. Blackman in that conversation Charlie too. Blackman and, and he's to. been hitting you have to throw Daniel uh, Bard into that conversation absolutely maybe Randall Grichik is into that situation maybe Randall Grichik yeah I mean that, you know if you list them off you're right if you list them off there's a lot of guys you, that yep. you can that you can say hey man these are veteran players who could help a team down the stretch just particularly if they're in a good groove they're doing well mm-hmm. um and can can you imagine if three or four of those guys were all doing pretty well and you could get a pretty decent haul back, yeah, you know, you need some pitching. Uh, in terms of prospects. So I particularly in pitching prospects that are majorly ready. Before we run off to your, your closer here, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Zach Veen just came back yep. off the DL in Hartford, went five for 12 in his last three games in Hartford. So he's back. Yeah. I think he got off to a, a slow problem. start. He's, he's doing now. He had a wrist problem, but now up. he's back and may, had a great weekend. So maybe he still remains on the track to be here. Maybe August, September, at some point he's fun be because of well. because of the speed because of the daring because on the base paths because of this kind of um his kind of style of play is pretty exciting the problem is you got to get on base to seal back so that's the main thing for him that's really important on. and finding some pitchers to make this interesting yes. finding some young pitchers to make it interesting. all right you got yep. you got the closer ready to go yep coming up right. we'll be back with manny's closer right after this this is the park adjusted rockies podcast stay with us the place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out Stoney'sBarandGrill.com. How stunning was what the Rockies did in New York over the weekend? For those unaware, 
Colorado took two of three from the Mets at City Field, and the game the Rockies lost was a one nothing decision that could easily have gone the other way. Not only that, Sunday's series finale was more than mildly shocking. It was somewhat historic. In their 13-6 win in Queens, the Rockies did something they hadn't done in six years. Win a game on the road with 13 or more runs scored on 14 or more hits, seven of which were extra base hits. Prior to Sunday, the last time the Rockies accomplished this was on July 16, 2017 against, yep, the Mets at City Field. Entering their three-game series with the Pirates on Monday night, the Rockies had won six of seven, something that you could have seen not happening at all this season for this team, which has suffered such adversity with its pitching depth, punchless offense, and poor defense that a hundred-loss season for the first time in franchise history began to seem like a foregone conclusion. Well, what about now? I wouldn't say a hundred losses is off the table yet, but the Rockies are showing glimpses of what they could be down the road. Now, it'll be a rocky road to get there, to be sure, but once they do, who will be there? Ezekiel Tovar's bat came alive last week to complement his tremendous defense at shortstop. Brenton Doyle launched his first career home run. Alan Trejo suddenly started hitting this month. Ryan Feltner seems as though he's figuring things out. Still, much of the next wave of prospects on whom are pinned the hopes of the club's future are not on their way soon, as we discussed on this week's podcast with Sean Ryder of the Albuquerque Journal. There are some promising hitters like Nolan Jones and, of course, Elihurus Montero, Michael Tolia, and Zach Veen, among others. But there is a dearth of pitching potential at the AAA level. So, in short, it's hard to handicap where things are going with the Rockies. But then again, what else is new? Manny closes things out, completing another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. It's not going to be fast or easy, but the Rockies' rebuild is at least underway. Our thanks to Sean Ryder from the Albuquerque Journal for joining us. And as always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.